This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. And with me this week for this very special mini-sode are two of our regular folks and one very special guest. This week on the show, I have Elsa Chartier. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And I also have Kara Shamborski. Hey. And Paul Jaisley. Hello. Thank you both. And thank I should say thank you all three of you for joining me this week. Um, this week we are here to talk to, to Elsa about all the fantastic things she has going for her, including her new art book that came out, as well as the book November she's working on with Matt Fraction. So Elsa, for the folks maybe that don't know some of your fantastic work, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm an artist, although I, I write as well, uh, but I'm primarily an artist. I've been working in comics for about seven years. Um, I started out with um, some license work. I work at DC, Marvel. I did some uh, creator-owned work as well. And uh, some Star Wars. I've, I've been doing some Star Wars and it's been fantastic. And um, for the past couple of years, I kind of left, you know, licensed comics to focus more on, on creator-owned. And that's where I'm right now. I'm working on uh, November, as you as you mentioned earlier, with Matt Fraction, and uh, it's a it's a series of graphic novels, and we have done the first one came out, the second one is about to come out, and that's been pretty much my whole life for about a, a year and a half. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's about it. <laughs> Fantastic. I was very lucky enough to have a copy of your art book mailed to me, which thank you so much for that. Oh it's a goodness. fantastic, huge book um, that I found myself just staring at for a very long time as each page is just this massive, wonderful series of, of images. Um, I, I guess, could you tell us a little bit about how that art book came together? Yeah, sure. It's pretty, you know, it was it was not not planned. It was just kind of stupid. I, I hurt my drawing hand a few months back uh, in about, I think it was October, and I couldn't draw for, for a few weeks. And instead of, you know, taking a vacation, I got bored really, really fast and um, decided I wanted to learn um, graphic design and InDesign. And I wanted to, you know, I thought it would be a, a nice uh, tool to, you know, know how to use. And so I started... Sure you know, oh, I'll just put together a quick sketchbook to practice. And then the sketchbook turned into an art book and the art book turned into a Kickstarter campaign. And so it's kind of snowball from there. But that's the starting point was I, I hurt my hand and I wanted something to do. <laughs> and it got ahead of hand after that. Gotcha. Uh, well, I mean, this this book is 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 crammed with with incredible pieces of art as well as like uh, some little, I guess I don't want to say narrative pieces, but like learning pieces and some like, I guess, author creator notes that come with it. Um, it's broken down into like four little sections of commissions, uh, sec pieces from November, pieces from Star Wars and then various covers. Um, how did you go about choosing what pieces you wanted to include in this book? Well, it's pretty simple. It's the one that I didn't feel too ashamed to share. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the ones I was still kind of happy after after some time it had passed. That's pretty much the how the selection process happened. And uh, gotcha. about the the narrative pieces that you talked about, I you know I don't feel confident enough to do a whole book about how to draw because I'm still learning and I don't mm -hmm. think I have lessons to give anyone but I I know that people are interested about knowing about 
um, artist's process and how we do things. And maybe we do it, uh, it's not the ideal way of doing it, but that's how we make it work for us. And so I wanted to share that, how um, I go about, you know, creating a cover or working on a page or, you know, and all the kind of thoughts that go uh, into my head while I'm thinking about a piece. So I think it was, um, I was, I'm interested about that with, you know, other artists, artists that I'm fans of. And I thought maybe I could share and see if people are interested. And, uh, and it turns out people are interested by that sort of things, you know, <laughs> and it, it, it kind of give readers a window into understanding how comic artists work, because a lot of what we do sounds, seems a bit like voodoo <laughs> for most people, but <laughs> right. there is the logic mm-hmm. behind it. Uh, so I wanted to share that. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic book. I'm I I feel very lucky to have a copy. Um, I the Kickstarter that you did was massively successful, at least you know in the terms of the amount of money that was pledged versus your initial goal. So congratulations on that. I know that was a little bit ago, but um, I hope to see a volume two. I guess that's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you know I just need some time to to work on enough stuff that I that I'm comfortable enough to share. So that's not for tomorrow, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but definitely, it's been a really nice experience, and the Kickstarter has been, you know, hugely successful, a lot more than I was expecting. I was, you know, just hoping to get funded, and uh, and it turned out that I got a lot of support, and uh, it was a very nice journey. You know, not only the putting to the book together, but the whole campaign was really, really fun. And putting the book together after that and getting to interact with readers and getting their feedback when they received the book and all that is really, you know, that sense of community that we don't often get as comic book artists because we work alone. Um, mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. And, it, you know, it made me think that it's an avenue I'd like to explore more and more, getting that direct interaction with readers. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, Kickstarter is a great way to do that as well as, um, you know, I would just say Kickstarter. I think that's the easiest way to do it. <laughs> yeah. um, but Paul, Kara, if you guys want to jump in, I mean, feel free. Yeah, I have a, a question. Um, it's funny. I, I The first uh, work of yours that I read was uh, November, the first volume, and I, I really loved it. It was very striking visually, and I just really enjoyed the art style. And when I went back to read uh, the first five Infinite Loop, I was struck how different the, mm-hmm. the art was on that earlier book. So I'm curious um, what changed for you with your approach to art or there are certain artists that you were influenced by to sort of change your style to uh, what you're doing now in November? Um, a lot of it is is not really conscious. Um, I guess I grew <laughs> up, first of all. I was really young when we did the Infinite Loop. As I was 25, I think. And uh, I'm almost 32 now. So, you know, it's a, it's a big difference in the life. And my interests have uh, changed or evolved and the things that I like have evolved. And of course, all of that has an influence on my work. So that's the first thing. And also it's just, you know, practice. When we did the infinite loop, every page was, you know, a mountain that I didn't know whether or not I could climb. I was yeah. learning, you know, the basics and how to uh, tell the story, uh, you know, um, efficiently and how to mm-hmm. draw uh, anatomy, facial anatomy, all of that was really, really new. 
since it was our mm -hmm. first professional book. And for November, now that I'm more comfortable with the, just the drawing part, the anatomy part and uh, all that stuff, I, I feel like I can focus a bit more on, on style and explore more style mm -hmm. um, and, and try new things as well. Uh, I guess all of that is a, co a combination of factors. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, it, you know, right away, the, the artwork on November looks simpler but it's more complex. There's more nuance to it in the storytelling. And it's just, I was really struck by that. So that, that balance between that, those two, um, the simplicity of the artwork yet, the sort of depth of uh, storytelling you're able to do. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And a lot of what I'm trying to, to tend to and, and look for is simplify, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's something that I used to have a hard time understanding more is not better with art. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. um, I guess a part of it is, is that I was feeling maybe a, a bit of a fraud. And so I would add lines to, you know, mm. I did my work. <laughs> I did, you know, my, I did what I could to add as many lines as possible. And um, yeah. it takes some time to really um, uh, kind of understand and and understand how to apply that less lines is better, mm -hmm. you know? Um, right. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you know the theory, but the actual act of putting in the practice takes so long. It's a, it's, it's a really slow process. And a process mm -hmm. that uh, you don't have as an artist um, too much, uh, you know, your brain does that stuff, you know, in the background. Your brain figures out that yeah. stuff, but it's so little of that is conscious. You just have to wait until your brain is ready to communicate <laughs> with your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. It's frustrating, but it's also part of uh, it's a part of the fun. You know? So while binge reading a lot of your work in preparation for this show, like uh, November infinite loop and some of your star Wars pieces. Um, I was struck by how a recurring theme for the female characters that um, you illustrate or write seems to be that um, like you're letting them be tired and I know this sounds like really simple, but I, I think mm -hmm. with so many um, female characters, especially the ones that are drawn in a very feminine style, um, the way you draw a lot of yours, they they have to be like perfect in some way or like accommodating of others. And I feel like the through line for your female characters is that they're given moments where they're allowed to be tired, they're allowed to be tempted to give up, and then they just don't. And I'm not trying to overreach here, but I sensed a little bit of a, maybe a parallel with your journey of becoming an artist. <laughs> so uh, I'm wondering if you drew on personal experience with those. Um, I, most of the characters I've worked on, I have, I have not written. So uh, I don't know why, or I guess, you know, um, when I, on the infinite loop, I worked with Pierre, who's my partner. And so he knows me and he he is attracted to a certain kind of female characters, you know, that are a bit more true to life and true to what actually 
um, women can be than the um, traditional and you know caricature uh, women figure that we used to see in comics and that it, less so now. Um, but I don't know why exactly. Um, I work on peop- on characters that are like that. I don't know if it's me that choose those stories or the writers <laughs> that I work with that come to me f- with those kind of stories. But it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, I do feel attracted to characters that... Um, you know, start fights and hard fights and long roads and they get tired. They are humane and uh, it's a recurring theme. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> on a on a more, um, I guess, superficial level, um, something to, to me that I, I notice in a lot of your work is your female characters tend to have short, dark manicures. <laughs> Yeah. So, I'm wondering if this is also your personal aesthetic, or if this is just a look that you like for the comics that you draw. Mm, I'm looking at my hands right now. <laughs> I don't have nail polish because I can't because of you know original art and, uh, but um, yeah, I guess it's my personal style. <laughs> you got. And also, I like you know most of the women, um, especially in action stories. There's, it's I don't see how you could do adventure stuff with long nails. It's unpractical. <laughs> it seems like that way to me. And also the characters in November, I really don't see them growing long nails. It's just <laughs> no. Yeah. Maybe press-ons though. Maybe they were press-ons. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> But uh, I guess it's a combination of the characters that I work on and also my personal preference, I guess. Well, speaking of November, I had a, actually had a question about the um, the uh, the colors in the book. I know Matt Hollingsworth did the color work yeah. on the on the book, mm-hmm. but I was really curious. Um, there seemed to be such a synchronicity between the art and the coloring. I wondered how that process went. Did you collaborate on the color palette? he had in mind before you handed the artwork off or did you let, did you trust his instincts? I'm curious what that process was. Oh, I trusted him a hundred percent. One thing that <laughs> sure. is good with <laughs> creator own is that you get to choose the people that you're going to collaborate with. And um, right. I had been a huge fan of his work for a very long time. And that was a, a chance for me to work with him. And also I felt like November had to be, you know, with a story that is so peculiar and the the rhythm and the storytelling is really unique. And mm-hmm. my art is, is simplified as well. And we needed something that would match that, that would be as powerful, but in a simplistic way, you know. And, yeah. and I felt like Matt would be the perfect person for it. And, uh, and so we gave him the initial, initial, sorry, uh, influences that we had for that story that was um, Batman Your One, uh, Mazzucchelli's. Okay. And that, 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 you know, that sort of colors that are, you know, flats, but also a bit um, pop at some points and, you know, kind of um, originally unique and not what you would expect from a Batman story. And so that, the only thing that we told him is that's it, flats and something that would, you know, be could be a cousin of Batman Your One, um, <laughs> and he came up with the color palettes. I would I could have never come up with the 
palettes that he picked. It's just the most yeah. uh, original and kind of out of the box coloring. It's really special. And uh, I just went over some colors for volume three. And it's incredible yeah. how he can manage with so little colors because the palettes are really restricted. He can come up with variants of that same color scheme and it's incredible it's really i I've, i don't think i've ever seen something like that it's um so no he knows how to do his own work <laughs> sure sure i mean yeah. and let him yeah. do it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it, it's very striking and that, that's funny you mentioned batman year one because i just reread that and I, I can definitely see the connection the influence that's that's interesting and, and it's interesting how he sort of took that and modernized it. Not that it needed mm-hmm. to be modernized, but you know he came up yeah. with a you know um, a new version of what your one could have been, and that's perfect. Yeah. And it's absolutely it, it's something that I hadn't I hadn't pictured the colors that way at all. Mm-hmm. But it's what the story needed, and. Um, yeah. It's interesting because one thing that I told him and that he did not listen to, and I'm, I'm glad that he didn't, was I wanted the inks to be black. And oh, okay. there mm-hmm. isn't a single ink that is not colored in the book. He colored <laughs> all the inks and it's beautiful. It's perfect. And so he, you see, the only thing I told him he didn't listen to, and that was, you know, <laughs> it's good that he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that that's when you trust your collaborators to that level, I guess it pays off. So, yeah. Absolutely, of course. And you want to surround yourself with people that you trust trust 100%. And uh and that's what we did for November. The every member of the team is just um is supremely talented and there's really nothing left to say when they turn pages in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, reading reading through that book really like the the momentum as you're reading it, I I almost like couldn't put it down. Like as I felt like I was just rolling on a boulder down a hill. Um, it's really fantastic. Um, and I I was curious to know, you know, writing or you know working on a book like this, how does that compare to working on you know single issue stories like the Infinite Loop or uh Super Freaks or something like that? That's you know like you know very compact down to like twenty to twenty two pages um, versus this seventy eight ish kind of uh, is it close to Bond Destiny length um, style graphic novel. Um, we get more time. Um, okay. For it, not not to produce the book, sorry, but just to tell the story. There is right, more right. room to make a scene last and have character exchanges that we have to cut short for a monthly comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as an artist who's um, really into body language and um, facial expressions, it's golden to me to be able to. Ha- you know, uh, see a, thing, a scene through, uh, and it's a luxury, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the the like breathing room you get to actually have maybe extra 
panels or even extra pages to kind of make sure that a, a, a specific emotion or a specific thing is evoked um, throughout the book. I mean, I was I was just skimming through it before we started recording today. And it's just like, oh, man, there's just there's extra emphasis on a lot of different emotions. And I think you really couldn't get that with a single issue book or like a you know month to month book. Yeah. And on a, on a month to month book, you'd have something you'd have to spell out. Because the, otherwise you get to the 20, 24 pages and nothing had happened. <laughs> nothing has happened. So, uh, But uh, on a graphic novel format uh, this big, he, you know, the lines are taken out and it's the paneling and the characters um, acting with each other, their looks and how they are their posture, you know, that tells the story. So it's a lot more responsibility to me as well, because there is no mm -hmm. line to save uh, what's at stake in the scene. If I mess up, you don't get it. <laughs> right. So it's it's different. I love both, but it's really different. Yeah. So you have uh, actually a bit of an acting background and the way you've been describing how you approach these scenes it sounds like you are maybe uh, pulling from some of that experience to help bring expression to the characters that you draw absolutely and it's probably why i went into acting in the first place uh i didn't realize that at, at that time but i think that's that what what attracted me was the body language and uh, and it's, you know, I spent a lot of years trying to break into acting and I failed miserably. And it's a kind of um, uh, good and uh, now for me to know that, okay, all those years weren't lost. I learned mm -hmm. some stuff that I'm putting to use now. And I, I guess... Uh... On that note, is there any anything that we could we could find you in to watch or no? I'm just kidding. Oh my God, just kidding. No, nothing. That's the thing. I didn't do a thing. I spent like you know seven years in casting and oh, oh my god, all that sort of stuff, and I did nothing. And and that's good because now I would have you know stuff on the internet at no, but nothing. Right, right. So that's good. <laughs> are, are there are there any movies or, or TV shows or anything like that that you particularly pull from? Like if you're trying to study like a specific style or a specific emotion that someone is evoking with their body or with their face, is there like a go-to movie or TV show that you think about when you want to like really kind of hone in on something? Or do you, I don't know if you use references like that at all. Mm, no, uh, I usually don't um, because gesture comes naturally to me and I I tend to have um, facilities. Oh, it's easy for me to to see a thing play out with mm -hmm. gesture. So I try to focus on what I have in mind. But I do study movies and uh, for composition mostly, gotcha. and for you know black and white balance. Uh, but. I study compositions in in uh, in watching movies, of course, because there are so many, you know, um, directors and cinematographers that are that have you know unique styles and that we need to learn from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, recently, I rewatched um, Seven Samurai. Oh, nice. And all the Kurosawa movies are incredible, but you know the the composition I. It's flawless. So I try, uh, like every artist, try to channel that into my work somehow. 
I'm looking forward to your samurai-based comic that's going to come out after this November <laughs> series is done. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I noticed while um, looking at your your Twitter feed in particular that uh, you do a lot of like retweets and sharing of the work of other artists uh, that you admire, and uh, I was wondering if you wanted to direct the attention of our listeners to any particular artists that we maybe don't pay as much attention to as we all should. Who? Uh... <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> put you right on the spot with that one. Yeah. There, there, are, there are a lot, but as always, when I'm asked questions like that, I'm, you know, blanking. Uh, <laughs> but um, I I adore, but I guess he's not an unknown. He's very famous. So, uh, you know, I'm not um, discovering anything, but Michael Emming's work um, mm. has influenced mm. me a lot. So he's one of the people that I know, I, like, I look up to and um, I try to um, uh, understand how we, how we can make these beautiful pieces. Um, I... I love uh, Vanessa Del Rey's work. Yes. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> She's, oh, and lately, and I've, I've told him many, many times, and I hope I'm not butchering his name, but Matches Bergara, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, I think he's working on Little Blazer right now. And again, I'm not exactly sure if it's the book he's on, but he is an incredible, incredible artist. Um, he's working on Coda with uh, Simon Spurrier. Oh, yes. Okay. I knew that name from somewhere. I could not and place it. He is absolutely incredible. He does those uh, watercolor commissions that are mind-blowing. And I told him, uh, I tweeted it uh, a couple of days ago that, Every time I see one of his pieces, I'm like, okay, I, I need to learn watercolor because whatever he's doing, it's, it's insane. And uh, and then I remember that it has nothing to do with watercolors. He's just so good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't really buy that. But yeah, I've been uh, in awe of his work recently. And you know, just in terms of um, mediums that you work in, do you typically do all of your work digitally or is there like a physical penciling and inking that you use or does it vary by book? Um, I, okay, so the Infinite Loop, I did 100% on paper. Then I got a Cintiq and I worked 100% digital for five years mm -hmm. uh, because it helped me try new things without you know, being afraid of messing up the page and having to start right. over. So in that sense, I was a fantastic learning tool. I I was able to explore and experiment a lot more than on paper. Uh, but when we started November, I decided that I wanted to ink on paper again because my mm. digital inking, and it's not true for all digital inking, but the way I did it was a bit too clean, very animated, and that worked for some of the stuff that I worked on. But for November, we needed something that was a bit more gritty and more toothy. So I went back to inking on paper. And my goal has been to be back uh, to paper 100%. So I'm for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing a mix of pencils. And then I scan my pages and I touch them up 
and then I print mm -hmm. them in blue and ink them on paper. Um, so my goal is to come back to paper 100%. So I'm in the process of that. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> it's, it's a journey. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's really interesting because I think like there's like like you said, there's a lot that you can do digitally. I think I you know I follow plenty of creators who swear by their you know their Cintiqs that they're like I love the ability to undo and stuff, mm -hmm. but then you lose like you said that the toothiness of the inks, the 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 in some cases imperfections that create this very unique style. Um, that you can't really get on pay in a digital form because in the digital form you can perfect everything. Whereas on paper, if it sits, that's pretty much where it is unless you get really aggressive with whiteout, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's part of why I wanted to move back to, to, you know, traditional work. Uh, and also um, working on a screen all day is terrible for my eyes mm -hmm. i wear contacts and my dry my eyes by the end of the day are dead um so i would like to be able to see until you know <laughs> i'm i'm old so part right, of the right. yeah part of the reason behind that is trying to preserve my sight as well Gotcha. Understandable. Um, I, I say that as someone who sits in front of a computer, probably, you know, 12 to 16 hours a day. But yeah, I get it. I totally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I totally get yeah. that. Um, and uh, I, there is um, there is something about working straight on paper that is a bit more calming for me, at least, than working mm -hmm. on a computer. Um, I love both. But you know, yeah, there's no Twitter notifications on a piece of paper. That's the thing, oh, right? <laughs> but you know what? I I have no. I have uh, downloaded this uh, like add-on for social medias, and after ten minutes of social media on my computer, I cannot access it at all, and oh, I nice. keep my phone out <laughs> so I'm not distracted by social media. <laughs> Very good. That's that's probably something we all need. I don't know. It's, I'd rather work shorter, shorter days and have some free time rather than doing the same amount of work in, you know, 12 hours instead of nine because I've been on Twitter. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Do at this point, because you do uh, have so much work coming your way, when you're drawing, are you really putting all of your physical and emotional energy into drawing things that you um, are working on for a project or do you find yourself just like doodling in your spare time and drawing for yourself too? I try more and more to doodle. Uh, and I've always been a bit, um, uh, uh, you know, ashamed by the fact that I didn't, I never had a sketchbook. I never, you know, got into the habit of, of working on the, you know, doodling on the sketchbook. And I, it kind of made me feel like a fraud because all, all the good artists oh. do that, you know. And um, But also, I think it was because I was working too much. And by the end of the day, I was like, I, I'd like to do something other than drawing. Uh, so I never found the time or the... the, the, the will, really, to, to keep one. But I've been working shorter, shorter hours for the past six months. Um, voluntarily, I want to live more life instead of work, work, work all the time. <laughs> and and naturally, the sketchbook thing is easier now. And I, I, I want to, you know, pick a pen and do a few things in the weekend, during the weekend or in the evening. And uh, I, 
in a way, I'm doing things in reverse. I'm enjoying, I'm starting to enjoy drawing for myself just now, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> because I, I started working professionally um, really fast, really early, I mean, and um, I worked long hours, six days a week for about five years. And uh, only now I feel, okay, I, I think my career is going okay. I can maybe relax, take more time <laughs> and, you know, um, be, be a bit less uh, crazy about um, working that much. <laughs> Many comic book fans, when they're uh, talking to creators, their number one question seems to be, how do you break into comics? And the answer is inevitably make comics and i feel mm -hmm. like you're kind of like an epitome of that because it it sounds like you decided to try being an artist and then just really devoted yourself to to learning that craft and like you said drawing all these crazy hours and um just doing it oh yeah um so to go back a bit on on what happened between my acting and my 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 comics career if you if you will um so i gave up on acting because it was going nowhere and it was making me miserable miserable uh, when i was about 24 and i had no formal education i left school when i was barely 17 and uh i really didn't know what to do you know i i i knew that I wanted to be an artist, but you know, that's as a statement, that's kind of ridiculous because I didn't, <laughs> I had no skills whatsoever. <laughs> um, and uh, so I had all that, um, uh, you know, energy of wanting to be an artist, but no medium to work on. Um, and so I discovered comics. My partner um, helped me discover comics and uh, he, he was writing he wanted to be a writer for TV shows at that time. And he kind of transitions into, into comics and he offered me to come on board and I started drawing and that's, you know, we started working together and we produced our first book and, and that's how it happened. So not only did I had, you know, no more time to lose because I started drawing when I was 24 uh, and also finally something I loved you know doing so uh once I knew that I just worked 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 and until I was okay enough to show my work to um editors so like you said how do you break into comics whether you've been to school for it or whether you haven't whether you discover comics when you were 15 or when you're 30 it's the same you you gotta make you got to make comics to break into comics. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. um, like it's, it's, it sounds so obvious, but I think a lot of, a lot of people have this mental block over it where they're just like, Oh, but, but I'm not as great as the people who are drawing. And therefore like, how do, how do I get that? And it, it really is just keep, keep doing it, keep practicing. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, you know, there's this thing we're always looking for the magic formula, the the answer to all, you know, the problems. Oh, there must be something that you 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 did. No, really, <laughs> <laughs> um, just work. And for for 
um, some of us are lucky enough to make a living of it and um, and others don't um, and that's you know there's luck also that goes into into that um, but definitely put in the work we must inevitably approach Star Wars now. I was going to say, <laughs> when are we getting to the Star Wars stuff? Fresh, yeah. <laughs> fresh in my, I've, I, I know I've been good. I, I actually watched Rise of Skywalker last night. So it was really refreshing to go from that to reading uh, your Princess Leia story mm-hmm. and cleansing my palate a little bit. Um, so uh, am I right that you have a cat named Padme? Yeah. Is this accurate? Yeah. Oh. She's a sweetie. <laughs> Um, we named her Padme because we found her when we were working, doing the Anakin Padme story. So, oh, that's, that's cute. That <laughs> I thought you were going to say because she was an angel or or something like that. But uh, okay, <laughs> no, no, she just, she just showed up one day uh, at the door, and she was so cute, and she just stayed there staring at us. I need a home. So we, we gave her home and we named her Padme. Oh, that's <laughs> so adorable. <cute. laughs> oh man. So so of all uh the so with all the Star Wars characters and stories that you've drawn, like is is this um like a like a universe that you really enjoy diving into? And if you could do any Star Wars story or character what's your dream one to do okay so i should come forward and say that i i only watched star wars for the first time when i started working on star wars we all gotta start sometime (laughs) exactly exactly you know um so i love star wars but i'm not fluent in star wars if you will um <laughs> that's okay <laughs> there's a lot of things that i don't know about star wars but what i do know i love um so i could i um working on star wars visually you know the universe for me is incredible and i always find myself uh, sketching star wars characters or costumes so because there's something about um the design and the atmosphere that just appeals to me feels very natural. That balance between uh, um, sci-fi and dirty, gritty stuff, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not all white and all perfect. That's something that I really love about the Star Wars universe. Um, um, but as to if there's something that I would, or a character that I would love to to draw or tell their story. I don't have one specific character that, that, you know, I'm dying to work on. Um, first of all, because I think you can make any characters want, uh, work um, if the story is good enough. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so, no, there isn't anything that I'm thinking, oh, I need to, no, this is my bucket list, uh, on my bucket list. Um for example, I didn't know Dr. Afra very much, or that much, mm-hmm. when I was offered the annual. Uh, and I loved working on that book because the story was fantastic. Um, and I got to draw something, a lot of things that felt very Star Wars to me. Um, 
I got the you know the cantina and uh, and of course <laughs> that was that was fantastic. Um, but no, anything Star Wars works for me. <laughs> well, I actually I actually think that is a wonderful uh, perspective to be coming in with at anything. Uh, you can kind of make it work because with with properties like Star Wars, where there is so much history, so much material written about it, um, I think it, it can be really easy to kind of get caught up in that and say, oh, well, I, I can't do this with this character because it's never been done before and mm-hmm. I don't want to upset the canon. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like your your Princess Leia story in particular struck me because she's just lying in the snow on Hoth and she's just there like you don't ever really see Princess Leia having a moment where she's like god this is just a lot (laughs) (laughs) that's why I really just enjoyed that moment and so you uh, explaining uh, where you are in Star Wars that makes sense to me because I'm like ooh, if someone like went into making a story like that and they had just grown up on star Wars and they knew like all these things about star Wars, would they necessarily have made Leia just like lie down in the snow <laughs> having a pity party? And I'm like, probably not, <laughs> but I really liked the pity party. So it works. <laughs> yeah. That probably stems for that from knowing enough to be able to tell a star Wars story, but not too much that we feel self, um, uh what's the word i'm looking for like self-censoring exactly yeah mm-hmm. um and also um i should say that uh lucasfilm is very very open to you know stories that are different and that are star wars but stories that i that are that i've never been told or not in that way mm-hmm. and uh they always encouraged us um, when you when you mentioned the layer story, the forces of destiny, um, we knew from the beginning because the creative director Michael Sigler told us, "Go crazy, do do hmm. some crazy stuff with the storytelling, and we'll back you up." And this is what we want because he loves comics. He really loves comics, and and loves uh, that it's a medium that um, offers a different way of telling stories in a very unique way. And so he told us, you know, take, take advantage of that. And that was v- very important for us to hear that because sometimes we will, you know, you think when you're working on such a big property, you self-answer in storytelling and say, oh, maybe they, they won't go for that if we do this this sort of paneling. Um, because you know they want kids to understand and and all mm-hmm. that stuff that is very restricting and most of the time untrue because kids understand a lot more than we think. Um, and so knowing that and having you know that blessing from him was a huge help because we went all out and they didn't you know they didn't make us change anything on the storytelling and that's uh, why maybe it appealed to adults as well because it's a bit daring and the storytelling is a bit different and uh and it works for kids as well it's easy enough that it can they can understand it and it's um you know maybe inventive enough to keep people uh, adults um interested but that's what 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 we went for anyway <laughs> i don't know if it lands but that's mm-hmm. what we went mm-hmm. for 
Well, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, that, that's interesting because I, I, I feel that um, you're doing some some ex, um, experimental or um, unusual storytelling in November as well. The, the way the narrative plays out in that book, it feels you know, it's quite different from a lot of comics. So is that something you're trying to do in your work is sort of play with the storytelling, the narrative and the rhythm of the story? Uh, yes, but also on November, it's all Matt. Um, hmm. The script hmm. is very, hmm. very um, precise. Not the panel okay. per se, because uh, the very the panel description, description sorry, are very succinct. It's very just this character is doing that um okay. but the paneling and the rhythm and how a panel you know plays with another one and uh there's a beat happening go back to the book and look at the pages and he told me recently that there's a bit happening every three panel and okay oh. i didn't know that when i when i drew when i drew it and I went back to the book and was like, oh my God, I'm totally right. And this, this creates a really um, particular rhythm to the book. So that's all I am. But um, yeah, when I do my own storytelling, uh, my own paneling, I, I, I pay attention to that too. Because it's, it's a huge part of why comics are interesting. Yeah. And it doesn't mean doing something, you know, insane or, you know, mm-hmm. break up pan borders or it can be it can be very simple if you think it through. Now that you're starting to uh, do a little more writing, uh, when you're thinking about the story as as a whole, um, how is that being influenced by all of your experience as an artist looking at the scripts from other writers how, how you, you mean how i how is it different when i work with other writers whereas when i've written my own is that when you sorry if i don't <laughs> sorry I, no it's okay i realized as i said that question that it kind of ran away from me um i guess because you started as an artist mm-hmm. and are now doing some writing um do like like how does did your work as an artist um, influence how you write I don't think it has or I'm not aware of it it probably has um, but I, I I don't it's not conscious on on me um, I don't know no I, because I you know when I get a script and Matt's scripts are very different than the scripts that I co-write because I never write alone I only co-write with my partner um, so I approached them very differently just because they're you know told very differently but i don't know if me working as a writer has influenced that all that much maybe (laughs) i don't know i I wasn't sure because i (laughs) my art skills are negligible so i always try to think like okay if i was like coming from this with experience as having uh taken someone else's words and brought them to life on the page would that be a reverse process? I guess it would depend on the person. So I'm just trying to just trying to unpack things a little. Yeah, but it's probably true for, for artists that also write their own work as well as working with uh, other writers. Um, but I should say I consider myself a lot more an artist than a writer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it has influenced me that much. 
maybe if I worked with writers that weren't very good, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, because you yeah, you tend to see uh, maybe that doesn't work quite well. But you know, working with Matt, I mean, <laughs> there is like nothing to, nothing to say. It's it's perfect. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I guess, you know, we're, we're kind of running out of tape here. So um, I just have one final question that actually comes from one of our listeners who knew that we were going to be doing this episode. Um, you have a big section of your art book that is full of commissions. Um, and the question is, is there a specific character that you get asked for commissions the most? And I guess the follow up to that would be, is there a character that you prefer to draw or you like to draw more for commissions and things like that? I'm having a really, really hard time on Spider-Man. I, okay. I don't know why. It's just, it's really hard for me to draw Spider-Man. Um, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm happy with people, you know, coming with this request because that way I can improve. But uh, this character is really hard for me. Um, in terms of what I prefer, um, again, it's not... not specific characters because I didn't grow up reading comics so I mm -hmm. never developed you know a specific fandom for a specific character I I love them because of their um, potential visual um, possibilities you know potential um, mm -hmm. but I've noticed something interesting how my have uh, sorry, has my career evolved and and has I'm working on more gritty books. The characters request, the commission request that I got recently are very different from the one that I maybe had a couple of years ago. I have a lot more male characters. I used to have exclusive, uh, exclusively female characters. So th mm -hmm. That was interesting to see that uh, readers now can now project my style to male characters as well so that's that's mm -hmm. fun and um i got a few uh, requests from movies you know characters from movies oh interesting yes and i i love that so much that i'm thinking of you know opening a list exclusively for movie commissions because that's great it's you know you watch a movie and i guess like you would do a cover or anything you know synthesize what made that movie what it is and make it your own mm -hmm. i found the process um really interesting because you know commissions can be a way as an artist to just make a, a few few more bucks but when mm -hmm. i used to approach that in the past like that and it doesn't it didn't feel very fulfilling i felt like i was doing okay i'm doing this not for the money, but that was the main drive behind it. And right, I right. realized I need to have more fun with this. I need to, to um, you know, explore. And so I started um, seeing commissions as a way to try different things and see if they worked or not. And, uh, and I love commissions now, specifically because of that. So it's not very much about which character, but more about... Um, how I can do something interesting and visually different with that character, you know. 
Gotcha. Well, I will be uh, definitely reaching out to get a very curvy, excited John Wick if, uh, that's gritty, but also <laughs> very voluptuous or something. <laughs> Just to mix up the whole style, please. Yeah, absolutely. That would be fun. Um, well, I guess, you know, uh, Kara, Paul, I, I don't know if you have any last quick questions that you wanted to throw out. I want to make sure we wrap up before we literally run out of tape. <laughs> No, I'm just, uh, I'm so excited that you came on the show to talk to us because I absolutely love your work. I've been trying so hard to not fangirl this whole time, but but please keep making awesome things so I can keep reading them. Thank you you so much. Thank you. I can't wait to go back and reread November now too with this, uh, this background, this knowledge here. And then I'm anxiously waiting the second volume. So thank you. Thank Thank you. you so much. Yeah, I think that I think the second volume, according to Images website, is supposed to be out on June third. So just in time for folks okay. to listen to this episode and then immediately go grab their copy. But yes. um, <laughs> so I guess to, to wrap everything up here, Elsa, where can people find you on the internet, and what other books should they look out for other than uh, November? That's that's got your name on it. Um, so I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram, but I say mainly Twitter. Uh, what other books? I've done a lot of creator-owned books. So besides November, Super Freaks. Is a book that I've um, that I that I co-wrote for Comicsology Originals and the Infinite Loop, which uh, was our first book and is very dear to me still. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's the main things I that I worked on, uh, in addition to Star Wars and all that stuff. <laughs> right, right, and just that little thing known as Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very cool. Uh, well, yeah, thank you so much for, for being on the show. We really, really appreciate it. This is such an amazing conversation. I have a whole like slew of questions about Super Freaks and Comicsology Originals that we didn't get to. So maybe we'll have to have you come back after Volume Two is out. Maybe when you get that next Kickstarter, um, you know, maybe we'll come. We'll have a conversation about that. But that's way, to. way in the future. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess you can you can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow Kara at, at Kara S. Sam. You can follow Paul at Ohi Pauly. And you can follow me at Mike Rappin and the show at IRCP Podcast, where I try to post on Twitter and Instagram whenever I can. But you know what? It's, it's a busy thing trying to manage two Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, this show and many of our subscriber only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. You can join us now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord and make sure to tell a friend or two about the show. Infinity Shred does all of the music for IRCB and they are the best band in the universe. Xander is a very good friend, a great GM. He's also the editor of our show. So thank you, Xander, for all the time you put into this. Thank you to Kara and Paul for being on this episode. Thank you doubly to Elsa for being a guest on this show. And until next time, comics are good and so are you. <laughs> <laughs>